Hello, everyone. Redcoat here. Joined by CNT here. And uh, we're going to get started on a new topic today. It is called Instigating Inspiration, or perhaps Seeking Inspiration. Either kind of works. Yeah. So what we're going to go over in general on this particular cast is the concepts of inspiration and creativity, what we kind of think the colloquial ideas of those are, what we think they are, and then get into the idea of actually controlling your creativity and being able to make inspiration happen, for lack of a better term. Yeah. So this is... um kind of a reaction in some regards to the people who say, oh, I just have to be inspired or uh, I can't do anything without, you know, inspiration striking me sort of thing of sitting on your tush waiting for your muse to happen while watching TV kind of thing where mm-hmm. are you really trying to make something happen versus how much are you just making excuses, right? Like how much are you making excuses? And we want to kind of talk about this topic to try to help people think about this in a new way if they're kind of stuck in that mode of inspiration is a lightning bolt that I have to wait for it to strike. Yeah. Right. Rather than oil wells. Mm-hmm. Things that you have to, you can dig towards, find and refine. Exactly. So uh, starting off, let's hit the uh, the colloquial definition first off of inspiration. So we actually kind of w- we went to Google to look at uh, this thing, and I'm going to paraphrase the definition that they have there a little bit. So when when we look at the colloquial definition of uh, inspiration, it's to be stimulated mentally to do or create something. From that concept of um, being stimulated mentally to do or create something, it specifically makes you feel like it's it happens to you inspiration happens to you it's not something that you can make happen yeah like you're just walking along one day and all of a sudden the light falls on a leaf in a particular way and you just get lucky to be inspired right where it's it's a luck-based thing and while there is some merit to understanding that inspiration can hit you you can get into those situations where you look at um, I don't know. You look at the curve of a dog's tail, and then you're like, oh, dog tails are amazing. I've got an idea to make a game about dog tails. Or rather, you look at the do- curve of the dog tail, and it reminds you of a crescent moon, and suddenly you're making a story about cheesy dogs. Uh, sure. Or to use another analogy, you're working in your garden, and you hit oil. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're digging digging a hole for your petunias. Mm-hmm. And then you hit oil. Yeah. You know, it's like not something you're intentionally trying to do. And uh, most people think, well, the only way to find oil is to hit it while gardening or something. You know, you accidentally hit it. You're not trying to. Yeah. And yeah, that's actually a pretty good analogy because uh, when you look at it, there is actually a way to get there. There is actually a way to find the oil. Yep. So our definition of inspiration, and we have a very flowery one that uh, Sientir was kind enough to grace us with um <laughs> the headwaters of tributaries of the river of creativity <clears throat> and in uh, in a more understandable voice the headwaters and tributaries of the river of creativity yeah it was i i guess you could say i was kind of inspired to that metaphor but uh, <laughs> yeah so little poetic what 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 does that actually mean I'm sure some of you actually probably caught what that means, but I'm going to tell you anyway. The stuff that fuels a creative endeavor. 
that's inspiration. Um, or if we want to take a more academic uh, definition, and this is more in the vein of how I think of things, the core ideas and intentions that govern or instigate a creative endeavor. Mm -hmm. So inspiration is a thing or an idea, an intention. It's that thing that you're kind of, you're using to make a thing. Yeah. And that's where we kind of need to get into some creativity related definitions, I think. Indeed. So we know that inspiration is a thing that can fuel a creative endeavor. Then we get to creativity. Now, when we think of the colloquial definition of creativity, we get to this idea that usually it's used to state making unique ideas. Yeah, like it will often be applied to when somebody does something in an unexpected way. Like maybe they decided, you know, I really don't feel like climbing this wall, so I'm going to figure out how to engineer spring shoes. And then boing, and it might work. I'm not sure. I don't know. <laughs> kind of half worked for Mario. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we don't talk about the movie that that happened in. <laughs> uh, I was thinking of the spring mushroom. Oh. Wait, there was a spring mushroom? Yes, in the Galaxy games. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Well, that shows you what I've played. <laughs> yep. You had to like do something to try to time it with your bouncing. Anyway. But yeah, so the thing about that is making unique ideas. I'm going to be nitpicky here, but if we're really talking about it, making unique ideas is more a concept of innovation. Yeah. And innovation is making something that is new and unique, making something that is different from other stuff. Mm -hmm. So then if innovation is making unique ideas, do we need the word creativity? I say yes. Um, it actually functions a little bit differently um, in our definition. So what we think of when we think of creativity, it's the ability to draw out inspiration in service of the creation of something. Yeah. And it's useful to kind of remember with that, that there's a process involved, right? That creativity is work and not just... Ideas uh, appearing out of nowhere. Yeah, it's it's not floating on the water. It's swimming. Mm -hmm. Creativity is something you can work at and it is something that you can develop within yourself. Yeah, you just have to put in the effort and it's not something that just happens. Like, this is actually a slight side note, but a bit of a mini rant. Talent is a word used to often dismiss effort. People say, oh, that person's so talented. And what they actually mean is, oh, that person worked really hard to get good at this thing. Mm -hmm. um, talent is actually something that will help enable the ease of developing those skills. Yes. But it doesn't mean that they just are there. There's some very, very rare cases, but we call those savants. Yeah. In general, it's kind of like with somebody who's good at boxing. Mm -hmm. Um there's a lot of technique and understanding involved in getting there. And somebody who has talent for boxing probably is, you know, they're a bit quicker on the reaction time. They're a bit stronger. They can take a few hits. But then there's also actually using those punches effectively. Yeah. Um, gaining the ability to move somebody around the field of battle and figuring out what to do. One of the best examples that I can think of is um, Muhammad Ali, who we think of him as a very talented boxer. Um, but one of the things that you have to realize is that his strategy changed with every person he fought because he studied every person he fought. He worked really hard to get to the point where he could actually fight them. Yeah, and so kind of my rant is that 
looking at other people and calling them talented because they're able to do something that you currently cannot do is often employed as an excuse to not put in the effort to actually be able to do that thing. Like, say somebody wants to be a good artist and they look at, let's pick, let's pick an artist, uh, Raphael. Sure, why not? They're like, I wish I could paint as good as Raphael. Well, if you actually desired that, you'd put in the effort and time that Raphael put in to develop artistic ability. Anyway, that's that's kind of my miniature rant. But yeah, creativity is the ability to draw out inspiration in the service of creating something. So uh, an important part of that is that concept that it is um, you have a thing, you have a goal, you have a thing that you want to make, but you might not necessarily have the core concepts that allow it to be, the core concepts that give it um, the fullness. Creativity is the ability to look at your goal and then start finding those core ideas, those core concepts. Yeah, or put another way, it looks at your goal and starts seeking out the inspirations required to reach that goal. Right. Now let's get to, well, I'm going to call it the fun part, um, the actionables. The idea of like, okay, so, so that's all well and good. So you're saying creativity is something that you can, is something that can be developed and being creative is something that you can do. Yep. You can nurture it. Well, well, how do you, how do you even do that? I will tell you a little bit about how I do it. Um, mm-hmm. because a part, like a part of the reason why I even got into this particular talk was because I was, I was realizing that that's just a thing that I do is I find a thing that I want to make. And then I start figuring out how to put it together and find the things that really make it sing. But to kickstart your creative process, that's the first thing. You need to figure out how to do that. And the term that we go with is finding your hook. Yeah, this is the idea that you have to understand how it is that you get inspired, as it were, um, how to seek inspiration, because everybody needs to work off of slightly different ways, right? And you need to experience a lot of different stuff and kind of analyze your experience to figure out how things hook you and how you can figure out how to connect to stuff. So uh, one of the examples that we had when we were talking about these things is uh, Redcoat and I approach stuff very differently. And it leads to different design sensibilities and, and how we figure things out. And that's one of the key things is that inspirational strengths and weaknesses, like the way that you get inspired has certain strengths and certain weaknesses. Yeah. So the example that I remember we, we kind of, it was interesting when we hit it was how both of us look at a tree. Yeah. Well, Cienter, why don't you describe when you think of a tree, what comes to mind and the things that you would be describing it. I'd be looking at, say, how the color on the leaves works or what's going on with uh, this, the way the reflection works or how does the lighting make me feel? How are the branches splaying out? And what is the way that this actually is formed and how does it look and how would one go about doing that sort of thing? Like yeah. replicating that form or that sort of thing is kind of the stuff that I think of when I think of a tree where... I'm looking at, uh, in, a, in a way, the sense of it, how it impresses its sense upon me. Yeah, the feeling of it. Yeah. And when I look at a tree, the things that I think of is, I start thinking about, well, why is it placed where it is? Um, why did the bark turn out this way? What is making this tree tick? Why did its branches go that way? Why didn't they go this way? Why green instead of blue? I will look at the tree from a very logical perspective. Just the the logic of what is it doing here? Why is it here? 
what is tree? Why is tree? <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, the point of us talking about this from this perspective is the idea that this means that if I want to make something, uh, if I want to figure out the core elements of that thing, I'm going to need to approach it in a way that I can think about it. Um, yeah, you need that sort of um, structural hook, as it were, that functional hook. Yeah. Like for me, whenever I come up with an idea, I will go with a random thing here. Let's say I was tasked to make a game about dogs. Sure. And they're lovely tales made of cheese. Yes. Dogs with tails made out of cheese. Well, I know what the first question is going to be for me. Why do they have tails made out of cheese? And also, why dogs? Why are we doing a game about dogs? And, you know, what are the dogs doing? Where are the dogs from? Where are they at? I will almost always start with this very lore lorific um, approach of just like, what are the dogs? Who are the dogs? Why are the dogs? Um, mm-hmm. Using that example, I'd be thinking of like, what type of cheese would I pair with which dog? Hmm, like, which one seems like it's an appropriate match? Like, would you mix Parmesan with this type of dog? Or would you mix mozzarella with this type? And he's just like, would you start having different cheeses for their tails? Yeah. And um, this is an interesting point because you'll notice that in this fact, we've basically approached two different parts of the same idea. Yeah. And you could actually just put those together into the same game. Exactly. And it's one of the things that has proven to be very beneficial for us is Redcoat approaches things in a very broad, holistic sort of sense, mm-hmm. where he has to figure out how everything kind of fits together. Yeah. And I tend to focus more on individual things and how they kind of feel and how they kind of fit into the whole in an... In an aesthetic sense. Yeah. I think that's a good way to phrase it. And these complement each other as techniques or as um, perspectives. Because I will see things that he misses and he'll see things that I miss because we're looking from different angles, but at the same thing. Yeah. And so this is a, this is an important part of that creative process is that you find your angle or rather you find your hook or rather you find the angles that you can put your hook on. You're just making me think of anglerfish for some reason. Well, you are trying to attract an audience. That's true. But it might be anyway. Well, if you're doing a performance thing anyway. But yeah, that's the that's the thing. You find your angle and you find your hook. You find the things that really make you, uh, that you start thinking about whenever you're doing a thing um, or whenever you approach a thing. You start really thinking about how you think because when you start doing that, you gain the ability to kickstart your process. Exactly. You can intentionally work that process along. And the other benefit also of kind of analyzing how you work in that way is, uh, and we'll talk about this a little bit more later, but it helps you understand where you are weak. And therefore, when other people also understand where their strengths are, you can seek out people whose strengths complement your weaknesses. Exactly. And um, that's a great thing for when you start getting into um, creative endeavors that involve groups is really, Mm -hmm. really finding those, finding your weaknesses, finding the strengths of others and being able to know when you need to give and know when you need to take. Yeah. And also it can help you with understanding what areas you need to seek specific feedback on, right? Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. that sort of thing. Um, But that's not the end of it, right? You figured out how you figure out inspiration or how you find inspiration. But after that, you need to do something with it. So you kind of need to figure out what it is you want to do. And the thing that's tricky about this is it's very easy to set this too broad of a scope. Uh, The example that comes to my mind is, so you want to write a book. 
great. That's ridiculously broad. You have to narrow it down to something that you can actually do. You know, it's yeah, not right. just wanting to write a book. What do you actually want to do in terms of what sort of book do you actually want to write? You have to distill down to something that is actionable. Yeah, it's like, so you want to write a book. What kind of book? What's the book about? Who's in this book? Is there a character you want to write about? Is there some sort of feeling you want? There's all sorts of little little things that you can keep drilling down, drilling down, and drilling down. And as you do this, you will eventually find the core elements of what you're doing. And it's a difficult process. I, I will say this. It's not something that's easy the first time. I, I've had many stories where I've been like, I want to do this. Well, okay. Well, I've got a character and I've got a base concept and I know where it's all going to end. I just have to fill up the middle. And then you have that issue of like, well, how do I fill up the middle? And that's a part where you find where you have to start finding your intention. You have to also start finding all of the other beats. And that can be a little bit daunting. Yeah. You skip something, though. You oh, figured yeah. out where it ends, right? Yes, what you're trying to get to. <laughs> and that's a core element. Mm -hmm. And if you're not able to kind of figure out either where you're ending, which defines one of your points of your line, or where you're starting, mm -hmm. you have to figure out at least one of those and then what direction you're going in. So if you know where you're ending and where you're coming from, then you can kind of rewind back and kind of get an idea of, okay, I want to end there, so where do I need to start given the direction that I'm coming from, right? You have to figure out where you're coming from. It's... It's simple geometry, right? You have a ray that you're drawing. Otherwise, you have a singular point, which is you can work with, but you're just not doing a whole lot with. Yeah. Well, it makes me think of Stephen King and his writing process where he has a starting point, a subject, and a feeling, usually. Mm -hmm. um, these are the elements that usually he starts with, and he rarely actually has an ending in mind, but he knows where he's starting, and he lets it just flow from there. Yeah, and he defines himself his starting point and his starting direction. Yeah. Right? And you can do that in the opposite direction where you're working backwards, but that's still two elements you have to figure out. Yeah. A point and a direction. Yeah, that's another element of this process is that you don't have to get everything. You don't have to have everything there. Yeah, you can figure out stuff as you go along. But it is important that you have you find the important things. Yeah. And again, this is about, you know, that idea of you have stated that you want to do something. Are you prepared to put in the effort to actually do it? And part of that process is figuring out exactly what it is that you're going to do. If you want to write a book, you need to figure out what sort of book it's going to be mm -hmm. and where it's going to either start or end and how it's going to get there or where it's going from there. Yeah. This makes me think of Tolkien and the arduous task that was making the world that of the Lord of the Rings. There are yeah. a lot of people who would cry sacrilege, but um, it, the stories, the books are kind of dry. But the thing that's really, really affecting about those books is that world. Yeah. And this actually brings up another very important point of don't get stuck on feeling like you have to be really good at the thing. You'll, if you do it enough, you'll get good at things, right? And this goes back to that mini rant I had about talent yeah. earlier. Like, you're going to have to be a really bad writer to be a good writer. You're going to have to be a really bad artist to become a good artist. Mm -hmm. You're going to have to be bad at making podcasts to become good at making podcasts. 
Ow. <laughs> I mean, it's true. Listen to our first couple of podcasts, right? It's true. <laughs> and hopefully they've gotten better. I feel like they have. Uh, maybe. We'll let you guys decide that. It, and you're, you're welcome to tell us where you think there could be room for improvement because that's another very important part. If you want to make something good, you need to get feedback. You need to bring in others to help you, potentially others to give you accountability. Yeah. Um, there's nothing like feeling that you're doing something for somebody to give you the motivation to actually complete it. Yeah, it's a, it's a thing. We, I do feel like it's a part of our nature that if you tell somebody that you're going to do something, you tend to feel more motivated to do it. Yeah, it's that sense of obligation. Mm-hmm. And something else also, um, we brought this up earlier, but seeking out others that, to help you in the process and actually listening to their feedback can be very helpful in making a more polished end result. Yeah, and- this, this brings up one of our um, one of our internal terms. And uh, full apologies to you, George Lucas. I love you. I do. Um, but we have the term George Lucasing it. Yep. And uh, the concept is just uh, so. Think back to well, those of you who watched those films or are old enough to have seen them, because I know that. People have been born since then, and that makes me feel very old. But if you think back to episodes, Star Wars, episodes one through three. Yeah. And then you compare those to Star Wars episodes six through four. Four? I mean, usually you say four to through six. Four through six. Yeah, I, I, I completely inverted that. Uh, well, at least most people would say four through six. You might say six through four. Well, I say six through four, but go yeah. for it. Anyway, you'll notice there's a big difference between the two sets of films. Yeah, and there's little, lots of little ways that you can see that, but one of the big ones is the amount of control. George Lucas has some very, very good skills and some very, very poor ones. For example, I don't think he's especially stellar at writing dialogue, but he's very good at world building and overall like story shaping. Yeah, world building, story shaping, and I feel like um, core feel, core intention. Yeah. And part of that is from his passions about mythology and the structure of story and that sort of thing, where he has a lot to draw from from there. But his desire to control every aspect of it, unfortunately, damages the end product, because I'm sure that there are people who could have been like, you know, this dialogue in these supposedly romantic scenes kind of makes me feel real awkward, not at all like it's being romantic. Yeah. And there's a lot of things kind of like that. And you can see some of the difference with Star Wars Episode Five, The Empire Strikes Back, where the director mm-hmm. was one of his old teachers, I believe. Yeah. Well, he was a guy who was, even at that time, I feel he was already pretty good at just drawing out emotion, making things really feel organic and getting the actors to pull that out of themselves. Yeah, well, the famous I Love You, I Know was an improv by Harrison Ford because the director, who, again, was not George Lucas Mm -hmm. on that uh, movie, was like, this isn't working. We need to make it work. Just go with what feels right. And that's how we got that. And again, apologies to George Lucas. He's not the sort of guy who would have let that happen. He's like, no, this is the script. Faster and more intense. Yeah, and the thing is that there's another side to it, right? Because it's not just George Lucas's fault. Because yeah. at that time, George Lucas was kind of a mammoth mogul. You know, he was a he was a big dude. Um, uh, not 
not physically, but you know, he had made the Star Wars films and he had done Indiana Jones and he had yeah. done like a bunch of stuff. And he, so he'd become kind of a big deal more so than he actually wanted, I think. I would agree with that. And there's this thing of where when you go and you work with somebody who's in that area, you become afraid to to make statements, to do things. Yeah, to rock the boat. And that's a problem on any project. Yeah, and that's where you have to realize when you've become surrounded by sycophants. Mm-hmm. I don't think most people are going to be in a position where they have to worry about it, but it is something to be aware of. And it takes a lot of courage to be able to say, hey, I don't know that my ideas are the best ideas. I'm welcome to feedback. Yeah. And setting up that environment that invites it. It's very true um, because it's and it's a it's a trap that a lot of people I do feel have fallen into when they get that first taste of success. Yeah, especially if they're kind of the ones that were in charge of bringing that about and thinking, oh, it was my ideas that made everything so successful. And your ideas may have been part of it, but that diminishes your entire team. Yeah, and it's always a group effort. That's one of the things that makes working with a large team really hard. Because one of the things that can make a group, that really makes a group effort shine is when all of the pieces are capable of, um, all of the pieces, I say, um, all of the people um, are capable of bringing out those things that they have to offer to the product. Yeah. And when you have a larger team, uh, let's say a team of 50, it's really hard for those people to shine unless you really have a, a very strong structure and a very, uh, you have to be working like uh, really good. You yeah. And it becomes difficult. One final note about George Lucas. I have immense respect mm-hmm. for his reasons for selling off yeah, this yeah. film. Yeah. Because he basically said, I want to make experimental films that are the sort of films I want to make and I don't want to pin people's livelihoods on these sorts of things that are probably not going to make money. And I respect him for saying that and saying this company should be sold to people who want to make use of these things and uh, I I respect that about him. Yeah. Uh, It's an interesting thing because it's a hard move to make. Yes, it Um, is. Taking the bird that you you helped put together and really really attached to and then letting it fly. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of the final thing, isn't it? Like you can work on something for forever, but at some point you have to say, I've done it. I need to move on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. I need to be done with this. Take my lessons that I've learned from it mm-hmm. and move on to the next thing. Most definitely. And I'd say that that's another key part of Bringing it full circle from coming up with the thing that you're going to be creative about making, <laughs> um, or rather the thing that you're going to be using your creativity to make, yep. um, and drawing those inspirations together is at some point you need to say it is finished. Yeah. Um, it's done. I'm going to go the spiritual route so you guys can listen or, or you don't have to, but you go back to Genesis and you have, uh, God creating the world and, um, with each day, he went, I'm going to make this, and now I'm done. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow, I'm going to make this, and now I'm done. And then after seven days, it's like, and it's done. I'm going to take a break and just look at this. Yep, and evaluate the work that he had done. Anyway, that I think kind of covers the subject pretty thoroughly. Just there's a lot of effort involved, and that's the big thing to keep in mind is it's not easy and it requires hard work 
mm-hmm. but the process of creating something can be extremely rewarding. And the process of continuing to refine one's creative abilities through sustained effort can mm-hmm. also be extremely rewarding. Almost oh, definitely. I know I love it. <laughs> We're going to go ahead and move on to the sign-off for this one. I feel like we've covered this uh, pretty well. Pretty thoroughly, but how about we give the folks at home a little bit of a teaser for what to expect next week? Go ahead, Santer. Oh, now you're making me remember what it is. <laughs> so next time, I guess you get to anticipate... Uh, a concept that I think is very important, which is we're going to talk about world design, not necessarily in how to build a world, although that will undoubtedly come up, but more in a concept of how big is the world and how dense is it. Really, we're going to be talking about world density when it comes to designing the world of games. I think that's going to be very interesting, uh, so I hope you will join us for that. Yeah, look forward to it, boyos. So, without further ado, this is Redcoat signing off. And see you here, signing off. Play the games you want to play, boyos.